Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Edwin Porter's Doctor of Physical Therapy. Today we have a guest who is a great guest. He is uh, going to be fantastic. He's going to be one of the greatest guests that this show has ever heard. Of course, I'm talking about Michael Florio. He is, uh, you know, associated with at NFL Fantasy on Twitter, at Rotoballer on Twitter, at SiriusXM Fantasy, and he is a fantasy researcher for the NFL Network. He is the he was the 2018 baseball he has the 2018 baseball article of the year um, from the FSWA. He is a, he was a finalist in the football writer of the year in 2017. He's written for um, the Associated Press and New York Daily News. He's at Michael F. Florio on Twitter. Go follow him. Um, yeah, that's where we're at, and we are we're here with Michael Florio. And the first question I wanted to ask you, man, is does the F in your Twitter handle stand for fucking Michael fucking Florio? <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here, and I wish I was that cool that that, that was my middle name or that that was what it stood for. Uh, sadly, Michael Florio is a very common name already in our in our field as well. So. It's taken a lot on Twitter, and I've actually even followed up to some people, like, trying to get, like, Mike Florio's handle or Florio, and I've been told no before. So, yeah, had to Man. improvise and get the, get the middle F in there. What's your middle name? Frank. Oh, okay, that works. Michael Frank. And I get you- asked a lot, if it, is it for football, is it for <laughs> fantasy, but never – and I, when I saw this on the rundown, I was like, oh, cool, so I'll be, I'll be able to curse on this podcast. Oh, like, yes, absolutely, man. I'm the worst at cursing. I It's so bad, like – I try, I try not to do it, too, because so my wife and I are at the stage where we're talking about kids, you know, and, like, there are so many things to consider, right? Like, a million different things before you consider, oh, can I cuss? But I thought to myself, like, <laughs> oh, man, I really, I'm going to have to cut out the F-bombs. Um, and the good thing is that my, I, my, my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, so I, I won't make her do that. <laughs> at least not, that, not to my knowledge, so. Um, but, yeah, no, I had to ask you that. I thought it was funny, too, because that's funny. It's like a little of an, an enigma. Nobody knows what the F stands for, but it works out for you. Um, and I already asked you before we started recording, but anywhere else you want people to find you that I missed? Uh, no, no, I know it's a lot of different places, uh, but yeah, Rotoballer right now doing a bunch there. And then, uh, in a couple of weeks I'll be back out with the, uh, NFL. So starting to get all fingers crossed, you know, season starts on time and everything. I'll be getting weekly articles and, and a lot more from me over there too. So those would be the best spots. And every weekend, like I said, hosting a show with us, Scott Engel, six to 8 a.m., Eastern time on Sirius XM, Rotoballer Radio, so lots of places to get my work. Awesome, man. That's fantastic. So we obviously, and we talked, to, and we did mention your dog already, so tell everybody else who, <laughs> what your dog's name is. Uh, I adopted this little puppy two weeks ago. Her name is Callie, but we spelled it C-A-L-I, like the state, because me and my fiance recently moved out uh, to L.A. a couple years ago. So, yeah, so she's a little... Uh, she's a little rascal, I guess you could call her. She's uh, she's very sweet, but she has that, you know, those puppy bursts of energy in her oh, from yeah. time to time. But oh, yeah. I did not – I know you're thinking of kids. I got to tell you, I grew up with dogs, but I never had a – because I got her at seven weeks. I've never had a puppy that young, and they are a lot more work even than, like, a five-month-old puppy. Oh, dude, absolutely. That, you have to, like, kennel train them. You have to let them out. Plus, you have to have – so it's a funny story – my wife and I, we have two dogs, and they're two little 10-pound Maltese dogs. They're old. They're, like, 11, 10 and 11 years old. But, like, if you don't train them when they're puppies that age, they just become horrors, man. Like, if you don't kennel train <laughs> them, if you don't, like, potty train them appropriately, if you don't teach them, like, what no means, like, it's just – it can become an absolute nightmare. So when you say it takes work, 
it absolutely takes work. I saw that picture of, of Callie, and dude, it was, she's like the sweetest little dog, so that's awesome. Thank you so much. We're really excited. And, and not to spend the whole podcast talking on her, because I really could. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. But, but real, like, the potty training, you're not kidding, because I'm teaching her right now on, like, those pads they have. And oh, yeah. she could do it, like, ten times in a row, and then, like, one time in the day. She does it a lot, too, when we're eating, and, like, we don't give her the food. Like, she'll, like, just walk right in the middle of the living room and just start peeing. And I'm like, what, oh my what God. are you doing? Like, y- you had it all day long. <laughs> Sometimes I think, like, they, they, they're smarter than we give them credit for, and they... You know, they're doing things out of spite or something. Spiteful, like, oh, you yeah. don't want to give me food? All right, watch this. Dude, so it's a funny story. My, uh, t- so the dogs that I just mentioned, my dogs, they're, you're not wrong about them being spiteful. We did something. I don't remember what it was. I think we didn't give one of the, our dogs. It was, a, it was around Christmas time, the holiday season, and we didn't give him, like, his daily walk or something. I don't remember what it was. And that night, the little effort, he, is, he, he was, like, eight years old at the time. The little fucker peed on our Christmas tree. And we had to clean that up, dude. I was like, what the fuck wow. are you doing? Yeah, so anyway, when you say they're smarter than we give them credit for, it's, you're absolutely right. You're right. So yeah. aside from your dog, right, you got a lot of stuff going on. You Like we mentioned how many places that you're at. You're, you're, you've written at so many different places. Um, how did it start, man? What's your story? I love. I literally love learning people's story and hearing – like how they started because there are so many like hidden gems and to how people get to where they're at so tell me your story how did, how did i start i'm glad i'm not alone and i'm not like some weird fantasy industry nerd because i i do too i love hearing stories about how people make it and break into this industry um i actually started my own website back when i was in college uh so like 10 years ago now at this point and i'm so happy that website doesn't exist anymore because man the advice was very basic and uh <laughs> but from there i got a i got an internship uh actually scott engel hired me uh he's like a worked a bunch of places if anyone doesn't know scott engel i mean if you follow anyone in the fantasy industry chances are they've probably at some point worked with scott engel and he hired me as his intern and i was just doing you know one article every two weeks for the site uh that he wrote for at the time and, and doing some editorial stuff uh, but from there, I got a, offered a, a position as a radio producer at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, the company that owned the website I was interning at. And I I said, yeah. I said, hey, you guys are going to have to teach me how to be a radio producer. Um, my full-time job up until that point was I, I was I majored in journalism and I was a community uh, reporter for a local paper in Queens, New York. And then this radio station opened up and I took it just as any opportunity to get any on-air opportunities at all. Uh, and I took it, and they quickly, you know, they, they gave me a show because I, I would just jump in on other people's shows and stuff. So I got a show once a week on Monday nights, and I would get in in the studio at 5.30 a.m., and I would leave at 10 p.m. Oh. Uh, but just to get those two hours on air, I would stay all day. And from that then, uh, the show was clearly doing something right, I guess, because they made it daily. And uh, it was my dream come true to host a daily fantasy radio show every single day. Uh, and from there, though, then I got offered the job. I did a bunch of, you know, as you you, you listed all the different places, I've written a bunch of different side jobs, uh, always saying yes to really any opportunity that came that way. And then I got offered the NFL job as a researcher, went there, and was lucky enough to be given an opportunity to start writing. Uh, and I'm a big believer that, you know, you need luck and you need timing, but you also need to be able to kick a door down when one is presented to you. Uh, and I think I've kind of done that at, at the places I've been at. And uh, I think that's, you know, what you got to do to make it in this industry. You got to grind. And there's going to be times where you're definitely going to doubt it. And 
and wonder if you're ever going to get to make it to your dream and get to do it full time and stuff if that's what you want to do. But I think if you if you work really hard and you stick at it and you keep, you know, getting better and better, ultimately, I am a believer that hard work pays off here. So uh, I'm still, you know, chasing that that ultimate dream of mine but i'm I'm hopeful i always like to tell the story and and just if i can encourage people in any way at all to kind of go after what they want to do and this is what is this is that then i mean that's what i love to do so anyone listening yeah if you're thinking about doing this just work want to work work hard and then i think you'll be able to make it in this industry so tell me then where when you said you said you haven't made it to the ultimate dream what's the ultimate dream Oh, my ultimate dream is like, like I, I, I guess I kind of am living it, but I want to be a full-time fantasy analyst. Like, like I right now I get to do that most of the, my time, but I also do spend a lot of time as a researcher and stuff. Like, my hope is the ultimate, and I think I, I one day will. But my goal is just, you know, I want to be doing this full-time. Like that, that's it. That, that, that is my job and nothing else. <laughs> Man, I think you're getting there. You're on the right track. I mean, you're all over the place. You are. You know, 15,000 Twitter followers, 2017 Football Writer of the Year. It's to me, it's so humbling to hear you be like, yeah, but I'm not done yet. Because, you know, you've done, you've you've accomplished a lot. And so to hear, I can hear the drive in your voice. I can hear how, you know, you're, you want to move forward with this fantasy stuff and you want it, you want it to be a full-time thing. But I mean, I think you're on the right track. I was super impressed by all the things that I was, I was digging up about you. Um, And I think that's really cool. So fun fact, last year when I started, um, writing fantasy stuff. I uh, actually was on uh, the team with uh, Win Daily, and Scott was the editor. And so I emailed Scott when they were looking for writers, and I was an injury analyst. And before Scott left for CBS, I think it was uh, he and I worked together, and he uh, he helped me he helped me write my first few fantasy articles. And there were quite a few guiding things that he said to me and uh, taught me before he left. The, the thing I said about Scott was, if you know anyone in the industry, he you've probably exact proof of that um, there's i don't know if i've ever met someone who's like who scott engel who like they're always like oh yeah i worked with him at this job or whatever like right. scott is just he's been pioneer of this industry and and he's been around you know since really the industry was starting so yeah he's, yeah, he, he's a legend and, and yeah again if, if you know anyone in fantasy industry they probably know scott absolutely so you talked about how now you're at and you're an nfl researcher at the at the, at the nfl network what's that like man it's really cool. Um, it, it's a good. It's a fun job. I mean, and it helps me as an analyst as well um, because it, it's really what it sounds like. I'm just looking up most of my day, like ninety percent of my day, is just looking up different uh, fantasy stats, different football stats, and and it's made me, you know, great at using all these different tools uh, for for research purposes. But yeah, it's long days, a lot of grinding. You know, like the NFL hours is a is a thing too, even for their researchers. You know, you get in real early you stay real late but you know it, during football season it, it's really worth it because you could be doing a lot worse things with your time than looking up football stats so <laughs> right. that's right it, it's a fun job yeah i bet man that sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun um speaking of the nfl and you know the season and everything going on what are the chances that you think that the nfl you know they actually pull off a full season and how do you think that happens uh, I think, I think they're it's going to happen. I, I am confident that we'll, they'll get it done now. But they haven't ruled out potentially pushing back the start of the season or so anything like that. What they want to avoid though is having to start it up and then stop it. So 
I think they will make the decision what's best case for the league as we get a little bit closer. But uh, what I'm hoping, I don't think we could see fans at games this year. I, I know they're leaving that possibility open for certain places, but my thing, it should just be, you know, let's get the season. Let's not try to add any unneeded risk into it. Let's just be as quick and quick and painless as possible. Let's get the season up and running and over with because uh, I'm a little bit fearful after, you know, seeing like what happened with the MLB today. But I think the NFL uh, it benefits by the timing of the virus, too, because they have the most time to come up with a plan and they can learn from the other leagues. Like, we have MLB going on right now. Uh, NBA is coming back real soon. Then the NHL is going to be back as well. So the NFL is going to be the last of the major sports. So I think they, they'll have time to learn from the mistakes of others and, and learn from what works and what doesn't. And, and I think that uh, behind the scene, there's a lot of planning going on right now. Uh, so I, I am I'm confident that – like, I, I'm very hopeful. I guess I'm cautiously optimistic about a season happening this year. Um, but, like, I, I'm not saying we're not going to have players missing from COVID or anything like that because I do think that is something that is going to happen. I think it's going to happen in all the sports. But I think uh, they'll do everything in their power to make sure that we do have a NFL season this yeah, season. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's too much money invested. There's too much, yeah. at this point, time, work, manpower invested for there to not be some semblance of a season. So I think that it's – it's going to happen. It's just the way that I view it is it, it's going to be a matter of to what extent, right? Like to what extent does this happen? To what extent are we going to be watching NFL? Like how long into the year are we going to be watching? Is it going to be a week eight NFC, AFC championship? You know, is it going to be a week 10 Super Bowl? Like what's going on? Uh, how many players are going to be missing? And I think that the Vegas, like the Vegas totals especially are probably going to be super affected by this. So, um, if there's ever a time to get in those early Vegas bets, you know, like in the preseason type stuff, stuff that you might not consider <laughs> potentially if you're a betting, if you're a betting person, uh, this is going to be a random year. There's definitely going to be an asterisk by it. Um, but diving into a little bit more of specific players in fantasy football in general, this is in April. You said, as of now, I'm fine valuing Fournette as an RB one. Thanks in parts of volume and positive touchdown regression, I believe will come his way. So that's that was a while back. That was in April. A lot of stuff has ha- a lot of stuff has happened since April. Uh, have your thoughts changed on Fournette though? Oh, I've done a complete, almost a complete 180. Uh, I wrote a whole article on in back in April why Leonard Fournette is still going to be an RB one this year, and then a whole lot changed. And I was like, "Yep, uh, let's take that one down because I no longer believe it." Um, I just. A lot, like you said, a lot has changed. They brought in uh, Lavishka Chenault, who I think is going to get time out of the backfield more as a pass catcher, but I do think that uh, that is something that you have to worry about there. I think they have Chris Thompson, who a lot of people can say Chris Thompson, he never stays healthy. He's always, uh, you know, he, he's not great. He's not going to be a fantasy, you know, viable running back or anything like that, which is all fine. But he, Jay Gruden loves him. Jay Gruden, each of the last five years, uh, Chris Thompson has seen has had 35 catches or more, and in most of those years he's playing you know 10, 11 games. But he consistently is used by Jay Gruden. And then I looked up Jay Gruden's tenure as a head coach and as an offensive coordinator back when he was with the Bengals, and it does not bode well for running backs. He's never had a running back rush for 1,100 yards, uh, and, and more so his running backs are usually. A benefactor of you know he'll have a good pass catching back which i think will be the other guys and not fournette fournette caught 76 balls last year but his catch rate 
was pretty low for running back. His yards uh, per target were pretty low compared to running backs who saw that kind of volume. So I just think those guys eating into his workload. And then the fact that I think he's one off-the-field mistake away from potentially being cut or traded, and I don't think there's a scenario where he can go to that boost his value because most teams are set at the running back position now. So a lot has changed within that team. Uh, and I actually figured out, I did the math, if you take away his uh, about 10 targets per uh, for each, like, so because I said there was going to be positive touchdown regression. So if you take away targets from what he saw last year. So he had 100 targets and three touchdowns last year. If you take him down to, like, say, 60 targets, to mitigate, to make up for that mistake, he would need to score, for that decrease in targets, he would need to score 11 touchdowns. So I don't know if now if the touchdown regression is going to make up for the what I believe is going to be a decrease in targets this year. Man, you did make a 180. <laughs> you completely <laughs> turned on where you were, which is good, which is fine. When you when you find new information, when situations change, when, change, change, when, when new information is presented to you, a good fantasy analyst will change their position and change – what they what they're doing and that's totally fine there's uh there's nothing wrong with that so i think that i agree with what you're saying about fournette it's just a volatile situation overall right i mean it's it's the jaguars first i mean you, you could literally stop there it's the jaguars right i mean they basically you know pissed away their one shot they were one game away from the super bowl um against the patriots and you know then they because they basically had to hide blake bortles for the entire you know second half of that game um, they had to basically retreat and didn't have any other weapons to use. And then they've, they've had quite the fall since then. So I just don't trust that Jaguars offense whatsoever. Um, Gardner Minshew is, is, is fine, right? He's fine. But I do think that LaVisca is one of those guys that's going to become sort of the four founding, the founding father of positionless football. I think that's the direction football's headed, just like basketball, the NBA is headed in that direction. And that could take away from Fournette's, uh, volume like you were saying so overall even though i think fournette can stay healthy because that's like my that's my expertise that's that's what i think um i just don't think that he's a good asset necessarily to have because of the overall position you know all the information that you just laid up and not to to go off topic here but you mentioned gardner Minshew, and i, I agree like i i'm not sold on him in real life at all i don't think he's right the right. answer to the jaguars problems or anything but for fantasy i'm actually pretty excited about gardner Minshew. Like, I, I would not be shocked at all if he is a QB1. And I have him just, he's in that, like, my tier, my high upside, uh, for, which are my, like, tier three quarterbacks. They're the, you know, like, 13 through 15 range. Because both Andy, remember there was, like, two-year stretch where Andy Dalton was finishing as a QB1? <laughs> I and then Kirk Cousins was really good in fantasy for a couple years. All of those years were with Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden typically plays on, has bad teams that have to play from behind, which I think the Jaguars are going to be doing plenty. And Minshew can run. Minshew can, shown us he can get some fantasy points with his arm. And I think the best is yet to come under with him under Jay Gruden. That's a good point, man. I didn't really consider that Jay Gruden was just that bad at coaching, potentially. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> but no, that's a good point. Um, I, I definitely can see why. I mean, yeah, he's definitely not the Jaguars' uh, answer um, as, a, as an organization. But he proved he can ball, right? He can ball when he's in the position. And he's fun. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Sort of like Josh Allen. Like, Josh Allen isn't going to be, like, a good NFL quarterback. Like, he's fine. Like, Josh Allen will probably play well enough until, you know, the Bills are in position again to, like, draft another quarterback. And then he'll sort of dissipate, I think. That's my opinion on Josh, Josh Allen. Um, unless, of course, he turns it around this year. 
but just to let you know, um, I'm a Bills fan. Oh, oh, you're about to come for me, aren't you? Oh man, I'm I not gonna Josh come Allen's for you. Great, I think Josh Allen's the greatest quarterback that ever lived. Um, I'm not uh, gonna come because, like, when people get mad about the Josh Allen hate, like, I can get it because, like, yeah, I, I'll admit, like, he's awesome and fun to watch. He hasn't proven it as a passer at all. But I'll say this: I'll go to bat for Josh Allen any day of the week, man. He is so much fun and. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's not the long-term answer, but he has given me already the best season I've ever had as a Bills fan. <laughs> so, and, and he is so much fun. Like, there is no point in watching a Bills Like, you'll get frustrated, don't get me wrong, but you will never get bored watching Josh that's Allen play. That's very fair. That's a very fair – that's a good way to – you'll never get bored, <laughs> and it's always fun. No, I can see that. And I, and I don't need to, like, dog on the guy. Like, obviously, he's an NFL talent. Um He's just a maniac, man. Like, can you explain that <laughs> lateral in the playoff no, game against no. Texans? No, I'm just so thankful that Dawson Knox was like, what the hell, and just slapped it out of bounds. Yeah, cause... what? Like, what? Like, I don't even know how to – like, I don't even know where to begin with so, that play specifically. I know it's just one play, but I feel like that, that like, showed a lot of, like, where his mind goes. I don't know. I don't it's know. a thing with – like, they call it hero ball. Like, the Bills, like, uh, some of their beat reporters and stuff, they'll be like, oh, yeah, he – Josh Allen, when you can get him to, you know, just play regular football, like, you can, he's very coachable and everything, but, like, they have to break him out of this habit of, like, just trying to go 11 on one and just, like, do everything on his own, and for most of the season, you know, he, like, the second half especially, they had that under control. Some of Bill's Mafia, right, not not everybody, is just, like, will not just go to bed for Josh Allen, they will buy the house, put down the mortgage, go to mattress firm, buy a mattress, make the bed, buy the sheets, and then go to bed for Josh Allen to like an extreme extent. And I get being loyal to your team, but can you explain why people are so, is it, are Bills fans just always defensive about all of their players that way? I do think they are always defensive because one thing you always hear, and, and like I'm a Bills fan, but I'm not from Buffalo, I'm from New York City, but one thing you always hear about, and you heard it a lot last season is, how close the players are with the community in Buffalo because, I mean, like, the Bills are everything in Buffalo. So there's that very close bond. I think there's, like, a closer bond between the players and the team because they're a little bit more involved. Like, I remember one year when there was a blizzard, like, Mario Williams was driving his truck and plowing people's driveways and stuff just to help out. Um, But also, the real reason why I think they're so defensive of Josh Allen is uh, I'm going to give you some names. Um, Trent Edwards, J.P. Lossman. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, Nate Peterman. Uh, these are some of the quarterbacks that Bills fans have had to watch uh, for the last decade plus, and, and they've really been searching for a long-term answer ever since Jim Kelly. Uh, so I think when you're just, you know, that bad for that long and you've had that many bad – and I'm not saying all of those guys are bad quarterbacks, but as a collective whole, they really are. So when you have one that, you know, brings you to the playoffs, gets you – a double-digit win season. You take him in the first round. He out proves already. I think out has surpassed what a lot of the detractors said about him and, and had success at the NFL level. I think there's just all of that paired together. Yeah, they're just sometimes unrationally defensive of him. Yeah, I learned pretty quickly. Uh, don't talk shit on Josh Allen. Um, 
they will come for you and they will come for your neck like you were saying but that's interesting i didn't know uh for, for the listeners i had no idea that michael was a bills fan and i'm here i'm sitting here talking shit on their on their <laughs> franchise quarterback so that's uh, that's those are the types of things that i say and do man you should see some of the, like you should hear some of the things that i say on accident like when i'm around patients we'll be just like doing whatever treatment and then i'll say something that i think is like something like that right i'll be like oh man like uh that uh that mcdonald's up the street like they don't they just can't ever get like the dr pepper right and they'll be like well actually my cousin owns that mcdonald's and i'm like oh okay <laughs> it's a great mcdonald's they uh do a really good job with their fries so my apologies <laughs> for that um but hey we gotta get information not needed so this next dude i wanted to talk about because we went on from fournette and then josh allen um and we've been derailed because i i tend to do that to my own podcast i derail my own podcast all the time but this other dude that i did want to get your thoughts on was was Adam Thielen, right? So you tweeted on July 24th, however high you think he should be, in reference to, to Adam Thielen, in PPR, I likely have him higher. And I think I saw you had him at, like, wide receiver seven. My concern with Adam Thielen is that the drop-off for top wide receivers in the NFL happens at 29 to 30. Uh, he has a history of a large hamstring strain, um, which is basically just, a, like, the hamstring itself tears. And we know that on MRI, when the, when the hamstring tear is larger, there's a greater chance of recurrence. We know that about 30% of recurrences of hamstrings happen within the same calendar year. And as you get older, you get less flexible, which is another feedback loop, which causes you put you at a higher risk for another hamstring injury. So needless to say, I'm a little concerned about Adam Thielen's hamstrings. And then when, from a football perspective, he's got no more digs. They're in a run-heavy offense. He's basically got to be, you know, the, the X on that team. Maybe not. Maybe you can, maybe you, you can correct me on that. Um, but tell me why... I'm wrong to disagree with your with your uh, let's your love of Adam Thielen. So I I have him actually as my wide receiver six in PPR and you were right. I Literally feel- wherever you have him, I have him probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, I feel a little bit more because I'm never gonna doubt your judgment at all when it comes to injuries. You know a thousand times more than I could ever think I know. Um, but my rationale with him was. Before last season, he had never missed a game in the NFL. So I'm a little bit more worried now about this assessment because my thinking, though, was it was one year. It was a hamstring pull that he tried to come back from a little bit too soon. And, you know, he ran like six routes that first game back and had to leave. And then, like, we didn't see him again. So my thinking was the hope that that hamstring injury was behind him and now that he was coming into this year healthy and – I think the loss of Diggs is only going to help a Adam Thielen because I I think people overrate too much defensive attention. Like, yeah, you could try and double throw a double team at Adam Thielen, but the Vikings are going to be running the ball so much and so efficient that you're also going to be trying to stack the box against them. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to double team him every play, especially if he's still lining up in the slot. And last year he only did so about seven routes per game, but the two years prior was 16 and 22 uh, and, and last year they were, you know, kind of mixing and matching him and Diggs at times, which is what I think they are going to do with Justin Jefferson. I do think Jefferson will see it a lot of time in the slot, but I don't think it'll be exclusively him. Like, I think Thielen will still get in there for uh, his handful of slot routes per game. But someone's got to step up on this team and be a pass catcher, right? Like, yeah, they're going to run, be a very run-heavy team, but even the most run-heavy teams in the league still throw the ball on half their plays. So someone's going to have to step up and be the number one target here for Adam, uh, for Kirk Cousins. And I think it's naturally going to be Adam Thielen. Like, if you ask me outside of Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, 
Which wide receiver do you feel safest to see, you know, 140, 150 targets this year if they stay healthy? For me, that answer is Adam Thielen. Like, Justin Jefferson is a rookie who is not going to have a preseason at all to warm up, so I think he is going to be coming a little bit behind the eight ball. Kyle Rudolph is, is just Kyle Rudolph at this point. I like <laughs> Irv Smith, but I don't think he can be, you know, a top target on the team yet. So I just think Adam Thielen, is, the volume is so safe, which is why I like him more in PPR because the catches mean so much more there. But he's also proven to us the last two years that he could be an efficient red zone weapon as well, having the nine touchdowns two years ago and six last year, not even a full season. Uh, so I, I think people are just sleeping on Thielen a little bit because last year he got derailed from very early on and was never really healthy again. But let's not forget that this guy balled out the two seasons before that, and now I think he has some of the safest volume in the league. That's totally fair. The, you cannot make an argument for volume. And when it comes to being on the field and it, when it comes to literally being the only person on the field to a certain extent when it comes to feeling, then I can definitely see it. But, yeah, the only thing that I do worry about is, is that hamstring injury. And I'm not, I don't think that what you're saying is wrong about, you know, it was a one-off season, he had the hamstring injury, it'll go away. I think that's a, still a possibility. Uh, but I will say that I, it's just he's 30 years old again. He's he's getting stiffer. He's not getting any younger. He's not a spry chicken, and that history doesn't help him. But I do I don't disagree in, in terms of I think that he can still be productive, and I think that he can still be just a PPR monster. Like I think he can be like an Edelman light to a certain extent, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that like I think he can be maybe not even light, maybe like the full yeah, premium version, right? I was gonna say I think he can be that full premium version because maybe he won't get as many catches as Eckler, but he's a little bit more of a field stretcher than Eckler. So, and I think he can make up for it with a little bit higher touchdown percent than Eckler, but uh, than Edelman. I keep saying Eckler, but yeah, <laughs> that's I right. think I, Eckler on that, the that's <laughs> yeah, Eckler's always on my brain. Now, Eckler is my guy this season. Oh, he's a lot of guys' guys this season, man. I I don't blame you for that either. Why don't you yeah. tell me that? Tell me why Eckler's your guy. Yeah, I've been uh, kind of fighting off detractors since March, I want to say, when I was just like, hey, Austin Eckler's in my top 10 running backs, and a lot of people were like, what? He shouldn't be. There's no more Phillip Rivers. And I get all that. I actually I have an article out on Rotoballer now. It's called All Aboard the Austin Eckler Hype Train. And in it, I say why I'm so hyped. And then I also argue the detractors' argument. So, I mean, I could talk about this for a whole podcast, but really the, the short version is – Yes, I don't think Tyrod is going to throw the ball to him as much as Phillip Rivers did, but I still think Austin Eckler is going to get a very, very good amount of targets. I think he's going to be used like Alvin Kamara, where he's going to dominate all the passing down duties there. And then I think he's going to split the work on the ground. I think he'll split it with Josh Kelly. Uh, and, and I think there's just he's a better runner than people want to give him credit for. He's and in that article I referenced, there's so many stats that back that like back that up. He his missed tackles forced are very high. His yards after contact are very high. Uh, the only concern I do have with him is his usage near the goal line, and I will admit that is a very real concern. Uh, but he is my RB. I want to say se- I think he's my RB seven in PPR, and he's in my top ten in all formats except for standard uh, because he takes the biggest hit there. But I still have him in my top fifteen there. I'm really really bullish on Austin Eckler this season. Oh man, I love it. I pulled up that article. I love the first paragraph. <laughs> let me read. Let me give the listeners the first paragraph of, of your Austin Eckler, uh, uh, all aboard the Austin Eckler hype train. 
article, you say, hello, this is your conductor speaking. Welcome aboard the Austin Eckler hype train. I'm glad to see that you decided to get on board. We are heading straight towards Titletown. Now, please stand clear of the closing doors. I'll put that in the show notes. That's great, man. I'm going to, I'll put that down in the show notes so, so listeners can, uh, can read your Austin Eckler hype train article. That's hilarious. But I tend to Thank agree you. with you. <laughs> Growing up in New York City, I've heard that, that subway thing so much. I, I can recite it. Uh, but I'm happy you agree with me. And, and, and like, you being the health expert and knowing way more than me, I actually I, I would like to ask you an extra question. Like, sure. do you have any concerns at all about you know him holding up with a large workload or anything like that? I I don't, man, and that's because let's see, Austin Eckler, and this is off the cuff, so excuse me, listeners. Austin Eckler's size, I think he's like, let's see, he's five nine, one hundred ninety five, and any let me put in BMI calculator, and that's probably like not even where he's at at this point, right? Because he's like a workout beast. Um, but when it comes to like yeah. size, BMI, whatever, I'm not really that concerned. The minimum, so there was a study that conducted and it, it looked at running backs from 2004 to 2014. It was a sample of 275 running backs. And they, and basically the criteria was, did they get at least 150 carries? And if they got at least 150 carries, they all fell within the ranges of being between five nine i think it was five nine and six one and they all were between like 198 and like i don't remember like like 227 pounds so there was basically this really really um really compact like size that that it did it made no difference and basically the point of the article was uh, the point of the research was it doesn't matter what size these guys are when it comes to injury risk and and durability as long as they fall in these parameters and it was the the BMI, the lowest BMI of a running back that got at least 150 carries was, I think, like 28. And Austin Eckler is right around that 29, 30 uh, BMI. So I'm not concerned in him taking a bigger workload. He's at the peak age when when uh, fantasy running backs tend to be successful. And he's going to get the volume, like you were saying. And then the last thing that I say, because I went on going on a tangent, and I'm not even the guest, sorry. So <laughs> the last no, thing... No, no, I, I, I'm eating this up right now. So, so the last thing that I'll say is that in my running back tier, my running back, my injury volatility for running backs uh, article at fantasypoints.com, I talk about Austin Eckler, and I do put him in, like, in the yellow light tier is what I call it. So there's red, obviously red, yellow, and green. And I do have him um, here, and this is what I say in the article. I say a break in the second half of the yellow light tier um, is a four-way stop, if you will. comes with Austin Eckler, who has a concussion, a hand injury, and is targeted heavily in the passing game. The medical research shows that all these characteristics make him and his fellow team members at risk for injury relative to their peers. Now, uh, what I'll say about him is that he, the, the groin injury that he's had, because I know he's had a groin injury as well, um, is not that big of a deal. But the hand injury and the concussion are just something to watch for. He's just a dude that comes with, I mean, here, if it makes you feel any better, here's some other dudes that are in the yellow light tier. Derek Henry, Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley. Kenyon Drake, Alvin Kamara, Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, James White, Chris Carson, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon. So those are all the dudes that are in the same tier as Austin Eckler. It just means that he comes with with more risk than somebody like Ezekiel Elliott, who's just been like the picture of health. But when it comes to being like at a higher injury risk, I wouldn't necessarily say that about him. See, that makes me feel really good. And, and when you were listing off those names, um, I was going to just be like, oh, so he's a running back. Because I right, feel like, exactly. running, yes. like running right. yeah, like running backs are always at a – and you know better than me, but I just feel like they're always at a little bit of a heightened risk of injury. Yeah, they do. take They take a beating. And uh, a lot of times it ends up being a hand injury. It ends up being 
Um, they actually don't have as many concussions as, as pass catchers, but they do have uh, ankle injuries, shoulder injuries, and hand injuries. Those are the most common. And the problem with those shoulder injuries is that they're either AC, like you saw with James Conner last year, or they're uh, glenohumeral dislocations, like you saw with Dalvin Cook. So, like, they're injuries that actually cause missed time. But he doesn't yeah, have any of those other than other than the concussion, obviously. I feel like, and and that research, you, yeah, I know we're going on an Eckler tangent here, no, sorry, no, um, but that research is really interesting because I always feel like anytime I run, it, like it could just be a short running back, like they don't even have to be small. Like Ray Rice was over two hundred pounds, but he was only five eight, and like we always heard, well, he's so small, he's so small, can he hold up? I feel like it's just like a bias against them, and there's not much actually behind it. There's not, and I did pull up that study. You can probably hear my dogs barking in the background. I did pull up that study. So it's a 10-year study, 275 running backs, no difference in durability based on height, weight, BMI, and age. All running backs seeing at least 150 carries fell within these ranges. They were either they were between 22 and 28 years old, between 5'8 and 6'1, between 207 and 243 pounds, and their BMI was 29 to 32 kilograms per meter squared. So that's the point here is that he he's average, and he's an average size. He is 5'9". He's 200, 200 pounds, so I guess he's a shade. He's a he's a shade under the average, but his BMI is still, you know, at the point where it's acceptable. Um, and he's shown that he can hold up a workload. So, no, if 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 dudes stay healthy, when like last year he stayed healthy, he showed us he could be healthy. He can stay healthy next year, in my opinion. And people disregard this, but I don't know if we necessarily should. Like I understand he went to a D two college, and you can't really compare it to the NFL. But his last three years, 298 carries, 227, 232. Like, he's carried a load before. He, I, I have a lot – I'm a lot more optimistic about his workload this year than others, I think. That's why I'm so high on him. Because he is, in my opinion, one of the most talented running backs and I think one of the best pass-catching running backs of all time. Can you name the college you went to? I, I can only because I have the, the, the stats pulled because up. Because of course right you can. <laughs> I, I actually, not, again, not to go off on an Eckler tangent, I, he stands out to me even before he was a thing because I was watching uh, some NFL show once, and, they, and he basically he went to uh, college in Colorado or something, and then, and then like because he knew someone there, the, the Chargers were going to scout someone in Colorado or something, and he knew someone and, like, basically had to wait hours and just was like, hey, can you guys take a look at me? And then they ended up, like, signing him. What? That's nuts. Yeah, like, his story is a really, really cool backstory, like, how he got this opportunity. Because he's a D2 running back. Like, how often do you see D2 running backs make it in the NFL? You don't. And, and another thing, too, about I'll say about his durability is that the best predictor of being able to stay healthy um, – in in the in, in the pros is being able to stay healthy in college and we know that because the best predictor as an injury analyst like the rule of thumb is the best predictor of injury is previous injury there are people who are trying to you know figure out this injury prediction thing like people like tim gabbett who have been putting in the work to try to find out like what on earth you know what the hell how can we predict and when injuries are going to happen we haven't been very successful we've done some work with like acls that we know are okay but to this day, the, the best predictor of, of previous of future injury is previous injury. He hasn't seen that. So when he went to Western, they just called it Western State, Western State football, <laughs> um, he played as a freshman nine games, and then he played 11 games, 10 games, and 10 games. And so he's playing the, you know, he's playing the games. He's not missing more than a game or two 
uh, during that time, during his time at Western State. So that's going to be that plays that bodes well for him. You know, when his injuries came in the NFL, um, that just it's just a matter of wear and tear. So yeah, when it comes to durability, I'm I'm all in on Eckler. It sounds like I might even bump him up bump him up in my uh, in my tiers. See, that's my the effect I have on people. You- <laughs> that's right, man. It's the uh, let's call it the Josh Allen effect because Bills fans defend Josh Allen to, to death, and you just defended uh, Austin Eckler harder than you defended uh, a Josh Allen, man. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell all the uh, Buffalo Bills fans at the next Buffalo Bills meeting. <laughs> I love the Bills, but I love fantasy even more. That's that's totally fair. Have you, uh, by the way, I, and I have to ask you this now: Have you uh, ever uh, fallen through any tables? No, luckily no. Have you been to uh, a game at the what's the name of the stadium? Uh, the old Ralph New Era. That it's, it's called it, – oh, yeah. The old Ralph, is that what it's called? Oh, no, but it, uh, Ralph Wilson, people call it the old Ralph back in the day. Like, ah. But it, it became New Era Field. Now that the name is up in the air, what it's going to become, uh, it might be changing. But, no, I've never been to a game there. I grew up in uh, New York City. I have seen them play at the Meadowlands. Uh, I've gone to, like, Bills Jets games there. Cool. Uh, but I, I've never made the trip up to Buffalo. It's one of those things where it's like – I want to go, I want to go, oh, next season, next season. And then I moved, and I was like, man, you know what? I, I shouldn't have wasted all those football years I had in New York. I should have been going up to Buffalo. Well, you do what you can, man. Now you're out here on the best coast. <laughs> I just moved here, too. You say you just moved to L.A. My wife and I just moved here uh, the beginning of July. So we've been – and we were in middle of nowhere fucking Kansas, so it's a, it's a big adjustment for And us. now you're in L.A.? Um, uh, Sacramento area, actually. Okay. So we're a few yeah. hours apart. Not, not too bad, though. How you, how you liking it out here? Oh, dude, it's so much better. God, we needed to get out of that, that Midwest Midwest region. We'd been there. We both grew up in Kansas. I grew up in western Kansas. My wife grew up in, in eastern Kansas and in, in Manhattan, Kansas, and we were ready for a scenery change. Uh, my, my orthopedic residency is up here, so we, were, we, were, we moved here out here for that, and it's been, it's been living the life. But that's, that's enough about me. Stop asking about me, man. God, <laughs> stop being so interested in me. <laughs> my bad yeah no no you're good so so it's funny that we were talking about um Fournette and how you think at this point he might be a disappointment and then we're talking about Eckler um and I, I sort of asked this question about uh one veteran and one rookie so who's one veteran you think will disappoint and is it Fournette or is it somebody else uh when it Fournette comes to fantasy is, of course yeah Fournette is is one of is more like a player that I'm weary of uh, it, it's more about his price and, and the concerns I have. But the player that I think is going to disappoint the most is Mike Evans. Uh, and that, I know, is going pretty high up. And, and Mike Evans has been super consistent, 1,000 receiving yards every single season he's been in the league. Uh, it's like him and Randy Moss have done that their first six seasons. So it puts him in absolute elite company. But he was doing so with Jameis Winston, and now he has to do so with Tom Brady, and they're very different quarterbacks. Tom Brady throws to the slot about 5% more than Winston does. He throws to the backfield. I believe it's about, I don't have the number right in front of me, but I believe it's about 6% more. Uh, And he throws out wide significantly less. And his A dot has been pretty low for the last few years now, below 8 most seasons. And Jameis Winston's was over 10. So Winston is a quarterback who is going to air the ball out. He's going to throw the ball out wide. He's going to throw – I mean, off we and we can only admit it about Winston. He's just going to put the ball up there and hope that, that it's Mike Evans and not the defense coming down with it. Tom Brady is not going to play like that. I expect the Bucks to throw a lot less this year than they did last year, mainly because I think their defense is vastly improved. They already were the best run defense in the league last year, and now they added a lot of pieces to that secondary. And then Brady's going to take care of the ball. They're going to be, I think, a less – 
uh, yards per play team, but a more eat the clock up like the Patriots have been. Like I expect this Bucks offense to look more like the Patriots than it does the Bucks of last year. I still think they're gonna they have a lot of firepower and like Mike Evans isn't going to totally let you down uh, because he's still Mike Evans. But I think that you know paying that top ten wide receiver price in round three. I think you're just set, and sometimes even in round two, I think you're just paying for that ceiling, and I don't think his ceiling is anywhere close to what it has been with Jameis Winston. You heard it here first, Michael Florio saying that Mike Evans will flop this year. I'm just kidding. He's not here. <laughs> no, so Mike Evans, that's interesting, man. I like that one. Uh, I, I don't disagree necessarily. I also saw a tweet today, and I wish I could remember who it was, that said basically how Chris Godwin has been the staple of that offense the last year. I guess, the last, I guess last year he was. Um, and Bruce Arians said he was going to be, right? He said he was going to try to get Chris Godwin the ball, get him more involved, keep him on the field. And then that, that you saw that sort of happen last year. And uh, I don't disagree because Chris, Chris Godwin – well, Mike Evans' air yards were nuts, dude. Oh, Have you seen far, his air yards yeah. numbers? Freaking by nuts. By far led the league. Yeah, and there's no way Brady's noodle arm at this point, and I feel like I can say that. He's 42 years old, guys. He doesn't have a fucking noodle arm by now. He's never going to have one. He's not <laughs> going to be able to get him the ball that deep. So, yeah, I if, if I had to pick between Evans and, and Godwin, I would probably go Godwin. So I, I like that one. What about a rookie, like a rookie league winner? Um, There's a lot of rookies that I like this year. Uh, if I had to pick, I think uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is too easy, Um, but I think he has obvious league winning upside. I'll go with Jonathan Taylor because mm-hmm. – I think he's running behind the one of the best offensive lines in football. Most people had him as the best runner of all the rookie running backs coming out this year. Uh, we know he has he can handle the workload. I think Marlon Mack is just a guy. I think Jonathan Taylor is quickly going to throw Marlon Mack aside. And then the concern with Taylor, right, is the lack of pass game usage that we've seen with him out of college. Well, let's not forget he went to Wisconsin. That's the same college that – Melvin Gordon went to Melvin Gordon came out like Jonathan Taylor caught 27 balls. It was last year. I believe Melvin Gordon came out of college with a total of 22 career receptions and had multiple 50 catch seasons with Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is just a check down maniac. Like anytime he feels any sort of pressure from the offensive line, boom, where's his eyes going right on the running back. He's going to quickly get it into their hand. So I think Jonathan Taylor being the lead back here, like Naheem Hines is still going to get his, He'll still be, I think, the third down back using the two-minute drill. But I think uh, just being on the field so much with Phillip Rivers that Jonathan Taylor's going to be a league winner. But, man, I also like DeAndre Swift. I like Cam Akers. And I really like C.D. Lamb as well. The rest of the rookie receivers I would avoid, but I'm all in on C.D. Lamb this year. C.D. Lamb. League winner, man. I don't. I can see it, man. I can definitely see it. So I He's like just, that answer a lot. I, you said pos, uh, positionless football, and I, I mean obviously, like yeah, they, they he's a wide receiver, but I think if you use him in the mold that like the the Forty ers use, like Debo and, and Kittle, you know, like they're so great with the ball in their hands after the catch that you just get them the ball in space. C.D. Lamb is a phenomenal athlete, and because Zeke and he's such a strong runner, and then because Amari and Gallup, you're gonna have to only single coverage this guy, and you're paying for him about wide receiver forty on average, give or take. Cobb last year was a top 45 wide receiver, and I think Lamb at this point is way more explosive. So I think you're paying at the floor for Lamb. That's why I love him so much. Yeah, man. I can see that definitely. I agree with you. Man, we've got to disagree on something. God damn. <laughs> Maybe we'll disagree on some of these. Let's do uh, getting to know Michael fucking Florio to close it out. So this is uh, really, really dramatic, and uh, no context is needed. So, so just quick answer. Tell me what you think. Um, if you had to pick your favorite team, your favorite major professional sports team, you had to pick one, who would it be? 
Oh, sadly, it's the New York Mets. <laughs> <laughs> sadly, I like that. Okay, White Claw or beer? Don't lie to me, Michael. I'm going to go beer. I, I went through a White Claw phase this summer being in quarantine. I finally tried them. I like truly better than White Claw, but I finally had those seltzers and was like, all right, I could see the hype. But then I, after months of having those, I, I tried a beer again, and I was like, nope, I'm sticking with this. Yeah, I, I, I can do both. I like both, but I, I feel like I'm not. All right, man, Lamar or Mahomes? I love them both, but Mahomes is my guy, man. I, I've been calling him the GOAT since uh, before the Super Bowl, and, and people on Twitter always love to come back with, oh, he's not the GOAT, blah, blah, blah. Nah, By the is, time this yeah. 10-year contract is over, it's going to be universally accepted that this He's going to be underpaid by that time. <laughs> Half a billion dollars, and he deserves more. That's exactly. how good this guy is. All right, baseball or football, and I think you kind of already answered this one. So to play, much rather play baseball, but uh, and baseball was my first love as a kid, but nowadays it's football. Don't blame me there. I, I agree with that one. Hip-hop or rock? Oh, I'm hip-hop all the way. Yes, absolutely. Who's your favorite rapper? Mac Miller. Wow, that's a good one, too. Oh, man, Florio coming with the heat, man, in all <laughs> aspects. I like he- it. And and he is like like I, I growing up I liked Eminem a bit like I, I like J Cole and Kendrick and, and those guys now a lot too but Mac Miller has, like I don't know we were the same age uh, we kind of looked alike so I always just you know connected with him felt like you know you know we were going through similar things at times so we were the same age and all that yeah man no I I totally get that um, okay last one here uh, on the injury prone podcast. The guests always give out band-aids of advice for the listeners. It can be anything, man. Life, fantasy football, NFL, relationship. I don't know. Maybe you're into beer and you want to give craft beer advice. Tell tell the listeners what band-aid of advice you have for them. Uh, I'm going to go real quick with a couple of things. Wear a mask, listen to Mac Miller, and draft running backs early this year. Boom, man. That's the most concise, best <laughs> advice that we've had so far, and we've had some good ones. I appreciate you coming on again, man. It was so fun. We'll have to do this again. Make sure you of catch – you catch Michael Florio on Twitter at Michael F. Florio. He's lying to us and saying that the F does not stand for fucking, but we know <laughs> it does. Catch him anywhere. You can catch him at uh, um, NFL Network, Rotoballer, Sirius XM. He's got his own show, NFL Fantasy. Um, he's all over the place. So this was fun, man. Sorry about the connection problems earlier, um, but I think uh, I think that's it unless you have anything else. No, thank you so much for having me and anytime, man. This was a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Same here. So we will catch you all later. Make sure you subscribe. Still going on with the little uh, contest. If you give me five stars, the Injury Prone uh, Fantasy Football Podcast, five stars, screenshot it. I'll do a free injury analysis assessment on your team. So make sure to do that. Peace out.